Hey guys, Tony here. I wanted to give a quick precursor to this week's episode. So if you've been listening to our show for a while, you probably at least know what After the Sandwich is. If you don't, After the Sandwich is the Patriarchy Podcast's other show. It's available for Fight Laugh Feast Club members only. And it's kind of an off-format show where we talk about life, everything, and nothing at all. There's a lot of dad jokes. We kind of just pick a subject and go with it uh, for as long as it takes us. There's no segments in this one. It's really just kind of a peek at us behind the scenes, our lives, what's going on. It's a lot more laid back than normal. Well, this last week's After the Sandwich episode that released a week ago, uh, sadly, I think was a very timely episode. Uh, I say sadly because the subject matter of that show is how to leave a woke church. I wish we didn't have to do an episode on that, um, but because of the times we're living in and even because of personal experiences that you will hear from me in particular on this episode, we felt it was an important one to do. Also, because of the importance of it over the past week, we've heard a lot of feedback from members, good feedback, and we felt that it was probably an important enough episode and subject matter for us to release for free this week to everybody. So again, normally after the sandwich is available to members only, but this week you're going to get to hear it, uh, even if you're not a member. Thank you to our members. You got to hear it a week early, and we'd encourage you to listen to it again. I think it's worth listening to again. I think it's a good episode, and it's some weighty subject matter that, unfortunately, in our times, a lot of us have to consider. So if you listen to this episode and you're not yet a Fight Laugh Feast Club member and you've enjoyed it, you want to hear more of it, and you want to support our show, as always, go to fightlaughfeast.com, click to sign up to become a member, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do. You can sign up for any tier. There really is something available for everybody's budget. So I'd encourage you to go to fightlaughfeast.com, pick whatever tier matches your budget, and use the code PATRIARCHY when you sign up to support our show. So without further ado, after the sandwich. Rise up, for men of God, have done with lesser... Rise up, Patriarchy after the sandwich. Uh, hey, Joseph. Hey, Tony, man. Um, I'm glad we got to be able to record this. I just got in, um, I went camping last night. Oh, where'd you go? Uh, I'll just this this park near me. Um, it was kind of cold. I took with me a tent and uh, uh, a tent and a case of beer, and I I came home with a tent and a can of pee. That's funny and gross. <laughs> uh, are you gonna go back out camping at some point? I might. You uh, you gonna cook when you do? I usually do. I usually take a, a little Coleman stove to cook. Oh, well, don't forget the pickle. It's kind of a big deal. 
<laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Uh, in all seriousness. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I have this friend who got a uh, degree. I know it's a joke. In, you don't have friends. I don't have a friend. No. <laughs> his name is John. Sure. That's it. Yeah. John. Is the last name Doe? Okay. He... No, Adams. Uh-huh. Anyways, he got this degree and he went to college in Egyptology. You know, anybody ever got a degree in Egyptology? No. Well, the problem was he couldn't get a job with it. I mean, they're hard to find. So actually, he's going back to college to get a PhD now in Egyptology. But I told him it sounds like a pyramid scheme to me. <laughs> okay, that's actually kind of funny. That's a little bit too much of a build up there, but it's still kind of funny. Uh, so, uh, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? Uh, I don't know. A carrot? Come on, man. That one was easy. It's a softball. Should have got that one. Disappointed. Does he, where, do you, at least mine can marinate and you can go with yours you're you're going low ball man it, no look 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 I, yours don't marinate yours burn okay they they <laughs> sit in the pan for so long and cook well they burn they're like a good scotch going down it's just like you yeah smooth no, with a little bit of burn no it shouldn't be that well okay yeah a little bit of burn okay not scorching okay not 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 like it's been sitting in the pan not like starbucks coffee that just Feels like they sat it there from 6 a.m. until the next day. It's just well, you don't like coffee anyway. So what am I talking about? Yeah, anyway, now that we've established that my jokes are better than your jokes, um, welcome to After the Sandwich, the Patriarchy Podcast's off-format show where we talk about life, everything, and nothing at all. Today, hey, Tony, uh, today, tell us about our new guy. Our new- tell us about the new, the new, the, the guy that's helping what? out with the podcast. Now. Oh, our new. Um, uh, what's his uh, title we gave him? The new, oh, chief marketing officer? Yep. Yeah. So we have hired, uh, you may have noticed them online, I'm not sure. Uh, we have hired uh, Tony Paterno, um, and he is our chief marketing officer since I was kicked off of Facebook. Um, I, I, I was on a 24-hour ban, and then I was on a three-day ban, and then every one of those three days, they gave me another three-day ban, and then I finally was able to come back, and then they turned off commenting and likes for me. And then eventually they just started screwing with everything in my account to which even other apps that I had my Facebook account linked to were starting to get all sorts of weird permissioning things. And then basically I had no other choice that they left me other than deactivate your account and go bye-bye, which I did. Cause I was like, I have done my job, but. What did you say? What were you saying? What, what was the thing that <laughs> Nothing, got kicked you I, off? So I don't even know if it's any one thing. I think it was just the fact that, um, so there, there's this, uh, there's an, one of those animated gifs online of, uh, of I can't remember, I think it's from a movie, and I can't remember which movie it is, of a boy sitting next to like somebody in a seat, and he's just staring at him with this smile, and he's just beating this drum over and over, and the person's really annoyed. And uh, I, I was, I posted that online and said that this is basically me with the Facebook sensors. <laughs> so I, I think the initial one, if I remember right. Uh, that they got ticked off about was ironically you'd think with the me too movement and all this stuff this would not have been the thing that ticked him off but initially i said that i thought that 
uh, we should try in court uh, rapists, and if convicted, we should execute them. And it was a very short, simple, concise post that- about justice, and they flagged that as inciting violence. <laughs> And 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 then I think they didn't do anything. I think they gave me a strike or something. And I tried to contest it. And if I remember right, I got to the end of it and it wouldn't even let me contest it anymore. It just said basically they were too busy, didn't have enough people, and and so you couldn't contest it. And so I went to recontest it again and I got to I, I clicked a bunch of things until I finally could get to a spot where I could uh write a comment, you know. And um I, I think I wrote um, would would saying that we should hang them be better, and uh, then I got two more strikes, and um, <laughs> and then I don't know the other ones were a bunch of other things similar to something like that. Um, I, I, I but the, the, they but they 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 gave you strikes or whatever for saying that r- people who rape people ought to be executed. Yes, that was yeah, that was definitely one of them. Um, in fact, uh, I screenshot it after they took it down. And I reposted it, the screenshot, and said, basically, you know, Facebook came after me for this. They gave me a strike for that one. Uh, so that tells me right there that that was actually a person. Like, that couldn't have been a bot unless they're getting really good at reading screenshots. Could be. I don't know. But that one got struck again. I think that might have been the one that got me the three-day ban. I don't know. I had, like, four strikes against me in the first 24 hours. And even when I couldn't post anymore... They were giving me more of them, and I couldn't do anything about it because I couldn't post. And uh, then, yeah, it just kept going and going and going. And then eventually they let me back on. And then I may, I may, I may have pushed it when I got back on. I may have had like eight or nine posts ready to go, some of which were repeats. And I may have posted those all at one time. Um, But, yeah. So you went right at it, man. Yes, I did. And my point in doing right. it was just, this is stupid. Like if if uh, it's just stupid, man. I mean, the th- I was none of the stuff I was posting was anything like that was ridiculous and out of the ordinary. It was just things that a normal, moral, just society would agree with. But uh, oh yeah, there's one about that we should try uh, abortionist for murder, and um, that one, yeah, that one got flagged. Um, I can't even think of them all at this point. There's probably people that are listening that remember some of them if they're following me online. But so yeah, I am totally gone off Facebook, uh, and I actually am off Twitter now too because I I really never use Twitter as my personal account. Um, so I took those or took those. Well, I had to take the Facebook one down. I don't have the choice. The Twitter one I did voluntarily because I don't care. But we had to get somebody to manage our social media since you know my accounts are gone. So we we hired Tony Paterno, and Tony Paterno uh, came to us. It was just kind of out of nowhere. I mean, just like nobody had, nobody knew this guy. Nobody had heard of him. He's a huge fan. He uh, apparently really likes me, really likes the the show. Um, he said he'd, he, he had been waiting literally his entire existence uh, to do that job. And, you know, it's just like, it's just like he was born yesterday and, uh, and we hired him, but Hey, you know, he's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you guys see Tony Paternal online, you know, you should, uh, you should follow him. You should send him some messages and tell him how much you like him. He's a, he's a good guy. Kind of reminds me of that guy uh, that they hired that didn't have any um, arms to ring. He was to, to ring the bell at, at the Notre Dame or Notre Dame Cathedral back before they burned it. You've heard about him. Didn't have any arms, and he was the bell ringer. 
continue. And and well, he would go up in the tower and see how many arms. He would hit his head against the bell and would ring the bell that way. And then one day he was up there and he he slipped and and fell off and and died. And a guy passing by said, "Who is this guy?" And the other guy says, "I don't know, but his face rings a bell." Nice. But then his brother, oh no, his brother, his brother, his brother came and was like, "Well, I'll take over the job." Strangely enough, I don't have any arms either. And so he would hit the bell with his head. But he too slipped and fell off and died. And again, somebody walked by and said, "Who is that?" And he says, "I don't know, but he's a dead ringer for for his brother." Uh, okay. That, that that was the part that reminded me of uh, Tony Paterno. Because I was going to say he's a dead ringer for, for you. I don't know how we found somebody that looks exactly like you to take this job. Yes. He doesn't look exactly like me. In fact, I, if you look at his profile picture, uh, he looks uh, he looks a lot like uh, one of those stock photos off of Google. Um, like, a lot like it. Like, if you reverse <laughs> image search it, it might be out there. Um, but, you know, he's got a good beard. uh Better than mine. Um, like I said, he, he seems to seems to enjoy the podcast. Uh, uh, Paterno is uh, an Italian last name, so you know, hey, we could be related. I mean, we're both Italian. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Paterno may or may not have specific I, meanings I, I've related heard that, to the I've show. I've heard that he yeah he likes cheeseburger uh, muffins too. Oh yeah, I see. I haven't heard that. I'm my guess is he does. Uh, my guess is he he probably does um, because most. Most Tonys um, that uh, are involved in our, our podcast, uh, actually all Tonys involved in our podcast, like cheeseburger muffins. Um, that was kind of a, when, when I was looking over his resume, and I got to tell you, it was a long resume, you know, it, it really was. I just went on for a day. People and, say it was the best. People say it was the best resume. Yes. Right. People. That's what people say. That's what people best. say. Best. It was bigly. It was big. Yeah, it was. It was the best ever. It was better than everyone's. Um, yeah. So at, at the time of this uh, recording, Donald Trump was still your president. Um, just wanted to say that. <laughs> anyway. All right. Yeah. We well, got to get to something for people who are like, okay, people are they just like, gonna. Yeah, people are like, shut up and get to the, get to the point. So, so. Uh, there was a point to all that. There was a point. I don't know. The point was dad <laughs> jokes. That's how we start the show. And I, I think I put the intro in before your last joke there. Sorry. But um, yeah. Um, anyway, so we are going to talk about... It, this has actually been something that's been requested for a while, I think. Um, and this is something that is, I would say, near and dear to my heart, but not really. I wish I didn't have to go through it. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, leaving a church and more specifically, leaving a, a, a woke church or one that's going woke. So this this should be an interesting uh, discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we we uphold the the highest honor and respect for church membership, church vows. When you take a vow, um, actually, when you take a vow anywhere, Scripture expects us to uphold our vows. Um. It, what is it? Uh, the Psalm 15, who can ascend the holy hill? And, and it's a man who keeps his promise even to his own hurt. Um, so um, membership, church membership, especially many churches, you take membership vows. 
ought to be taken seriously. And I think many people do take them seriously. And so, um, but oftentimes or sometimes we regrettably find ourselves in places where either our theology has changed and hopefully for the better, we've been reformed and practiced and we're realizing our church is not there. And, or we find ourselves in a church where it used to be solid is now having is drifting into weakness, or you find yourself into a church where there's just some kind of conflict and maybe it's a solid church and there's some kind of conflict going on with you. And so you're always trying to figure out how, how, what do I do? Um, How long do I stay? And, and those type of things. And, And especially now that, Sadly, many of churches that are Calvinist and Reformed, some of them have gone woke, that they've begun teaching woke stuff. They've gone all in on every COVID restriction without any kind of, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't even, any kind of talking about it in, in, or any kind of consideration of the consciences of their people. And so there's a lot of different issues going on. And so, uh, Tony, why not, if you don't mind, tell us your story with uh, leaving persons and names and dates out if you want. But tell your story about where you were at, and then and then maybe we can come back after that and talk about just what do you do? How do you when when do you need to leave? When should you stay and all that stuff? Okay. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm definitely going to leave out names and stuff. This is not the point of this. Um, boy. So I, I, what? I was going to say, was his name John? Oh no. (laughs) Everybody in the story's (laughs) name is John. (laughs) Okay. Um, okay. Um, so I, I grew up basically in the same church, uh, my, almost my entire life. So since the time I was three years old, um, all the way into my 30s, um, I was at the same church, give or take. I mean, I, I lived in Chicago for a bit and uh, was still a member at my church, and when I would come back or visit or something like that, we'd, we'd still go there. And then when we moved back to Ohio, um, I returned to my church. Um, so when I was growing up, um, like even in my teenage years, I was pretty involved in church once I got into my teenage years. Um, I was pretty involved in my uh, youth group. Now, uh, okay, let me back up. This is a non-denominational church. Um, give you a little bit of background and maybe how this kind of could happen. Um, non-denominational church, but otherwise pretty solid. Uh, yes, dispensational, but that's most non-denominational churches. But um, so I grew up in this non-denominational Dispy church, and uh, the pastor was a good man. Um, in fact, uh, when I went to college, he actually came to my college and uh, talked at men's conference, and um, I was super happy that he did, and we got to actually get to know each other even better. It's a very big church, and so when I would come back, he would actually make time for me, and uh, I'm trying to give all the positives here because I, I want to kind of show you how hard this hit. Um, so when I would come back, even I remember uh, I go to, I go by his office and he was like, anytime you come back, you just tell him your name and you know we'll, we'll come in. So I, he had a, he had a secretary outside and and uh, she called in and he actually had a another uh, I think it was a deacon 
in his office and he actually asked him if he could just pop out for a minute while he talked to me. And that was a huge thing for me, even as like a college student. It was like, wow, like my pastor really wants to talk to me. And uh, he'd write me emails and letters and things like that. And uh, we went out to eat a couple times and good man. And and I miss him very much. Um, So when I was uh, in my 20s in uh, Chicago, um, he retired and uh, moved on. I, th- I think he's actually teaching in another state at this point at a, at a, a university, Christian university. And uh, so there was a point where they're kind of trying to find um, a new pastor, a new head pastor. And uh, so my wife and I ended up uh, moving back. And at that point, they had had a pastor who was only there a couple of years and just it wasn't kind of the right fit. So he moved on and went to go church plant, actually, in another country. And uh, I think he's doing good from what I understand. And then there was this period of time where they like didn't have a main head pastor, um, and it was a odd time for the church. And I remember there were some people that were uh, leaving, or other people that were considering leaving. I remember my wife and I actually did talk, like, I don't know what's going on. But then I thought, you know what, I've been a member since I was like in my early teens, I think, actually. I think I remember I went through a membership class. And I'm like, so I'm going to stick with it. I love my church. I'm going to stick with it. By this point, I was really leaning Reformed and almost all the way there. So there was the temptation for me to just go, this is a great time to go because <laughs> there's some things I really don't agree with. Um, but we stayed, and we loved the church, and we loved the people there. And I got more involved, and I became a member of their safety team, security team. Used to train with local police officers there because again we were we were like in an inner uh, down in an inner city and <clears throat> well not quite inner city but city and so what ended up happening was as I uh, we got more and more involved my wife actually became a uh, women's uh, Bible study uh, leader and uh, they had a couple ladies teaching and she actually was very very popular and I think she was very popular because she was much more conservative <laughs> and traditional than the other ladies and I got to be. Uh, somebody who was pretty well known with the other men and stuff there. And then I, I also taught classes. I taught classes on abortion, actually, and was given, you know, unfettered access to teach that and say murder and sin and, and repentance and stuff, too. So all of that, I'm trying to paint the picture that I loved my church, and, and I, I, I really was trying to make it all work. And so coming to then what happened, so there was a, because I was part of the security team, I would usually be there uh, very early on the Lord's Day, like as early as all the pastors got there and nobody else was there. We would meet together, there's about 40, 42 or something of us, and if any other churches around the area had somebody that like threatened the church or just some unsavory character, the churches would kind of talk to each other, and so we may have had a picture of somebody, and it would be like, well, this is a guy that known to be violent or something like that. So we had this one particular guy that we had a picture of, and we were told that uh, he was going through some kind of divorce with a lady in the church. Uh, I, I know there's going to be questions about that. I had questions too. We're not going to go over that. But um, he was supposed, supposedly had a restraining order against him, and we were told if he showed up, you know, that he, he had to leave. Well, he showed up. And so we were told he'd showed up, and then we were all of a sudden told the restraining order was no longer there, and he was allowed to stay. So we went and introduced ourselves to him. He lied to us about who he was. 
Uh, we already knew his name. He lied to multiple, even my, my father, who was there. And so we went and approached one of the people that were on staff at the church. And we're like, hey, this guy's lying about who he is. Um, you go talk to him. So went, the guy went and talked to him, told him, well, he can't do this anymore. Well, the guy came back again another time. Uh, and every time he was there, he would just sit in the pew, stare daggers at the pastor who was preaching, never bow his head in prayer, never get up, nothing like that. Problematic dude. He ended up uh, cussing out two ladies, calling them interesting names, uh, not good names in front of their husbands, flicking them off, bumping shoulders with their husbands. Guy was just causing problems. And we kept going to this particular staff member that we were supposed to go to and being like, hey, you know, this, this guy needs to go. He kept being allowed to stay, which is really weird because it's like, why would you let this guy keep coming back? Um, and so this goes on for a little while, and eventually this man's son told us uh, that his dad pulled a gun on himself, put it to his head in front of his son, and started saying about how much he hated the church, how he wanted to watch it burn. So. We immediately took this to the person we were supposed to go to, and they said they'd talk to him about it. Days go by, we don't hear anything. Sunday's starting to approach. I'm getting, along with all the other men, a little nervous, like, what's going to happen on Sunday? So we contacted again, and we were told there was a conversation that was had. Everything was good. So you can imagine a bunch of men with guns <laughs> that are tasked to protect the church wanted a little bit more information than that. And so we asked, and we were told we weren't going to have any more information than that. And so I actually asked my wife and kids to stay home that week, because we were told he was allowed to come back, and he was going to be allowed to come into the church. So we waited for him, and he never arrived that week. Um, And then I wanted to, along with other men, wanted to sit down and talk with this particular staff member and be like, "What, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. So I eventually got a meeting with them went out to coffee shop and started to talk and by this point this is a good two or two and a half months into this whole thing and it's i was praying on the way there i i god i have no idea what to do right now because i feel like i want to stay at my church like even with the disagreements and theology they have like i want to i want to stay there i love my church i love my people i have all this history there these people are family, and yet at the same time, I feel like I'm putting my wife and kids in harm's way by bringing them there. So please help me discern this, because I, I felt like at that moment I just didn't have any discernment in it. Well, God gave me an answer, because we sat down to talk, and I'm not going to go through the whole conversation, but very quickly at one point he said, well, what it is is that we had a guy come in from California to talk to our staff about racial reconciliation. And at that moment, my heart sank because I realized God had given me an answer. And it wasn't one I was expecting. Like, I, I was not expecting that. And he proceeded to continue to just explain how it's not enough not to be racist, you have to be anti-racist. Which, by the way, anybody that's ever listened to our Christmas Eve episode from 2019, you'll recognize one of our satire uh, characters. Um, 
and then just continue to keep going and going. And every like every social justice buzzword you've ever heard or phrase came out in that conversation. And I was my jaw was on the floor. I was just dumbfounded. I, I didn't know what to say. I asked some questions. I mean, he he says not enough not to be racist, you have to be anti-racist. And I remember I just went, what does that mean? <laughs> and and so we talked for an hour. And at the end of the hour, I mean, I asked all sorts of questions. I even asked, I said, so I, I they said, you know, we're going to be doing outreach into the um, uh, inner city and uh, we're going to have to expect this kind of thing. And I'm like, what do you mean we have to expect this? Like, what kind of thing? And they said, well, violent people, which I, okay. Appreciate here for a second the fact that if you're trying so hard not to be racist, that you actually say something that's incredibly racist, right? So he's trying so hard not to be racist, and he says, we're going to be reaching out into inner cities, so we should just expect violence. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, it just got to a level of absurdity in the conversation. I asked, I said, what do you think the Lord's Day is for? And he said, it's for evangelism. And I said, I think the Lord's Day is for equipping the saints to go out and do evangelism, but it's not for the goats, it's for the sheep. And he said he disagreed, and there was a lots of things came out, but it was very, very, very social justice I thanked him at the end. I told him I loved him. I said, I have a lot of things I need to think about. I came home. My wife could tell it did not go well. And I said, I need to just pray and sleep on this, because this is so much more information than I thought I was going to get. And I did, and then I wanted to contact my head pastor at that point. And to give you an understanding, we had a ton of pastors at this church, but my head pastor did know who I was. Every Sunday morning, he would pat me on the shoulder, and he would uh, greet me by name. He knew who I was, again, because of the team that I ser- served on in the church. And we, my dad and I both actually just—my dad sent an email on behalf of our family, basically, and requested that— uh, if we could talk to him, it was a very short email. It wasn't, you know, we were not the guys that were like, Hey, okay, can we talk about the color of the carpet and the church, please? You know, like we're not that people. So we just said, Hey, we, we just have this, this particular issue. We'd, we'd really like to talk with you about, would you have time to meet? Well, his secretary, secretary emailed back and said, no, you should go meet with the guy who I already met with. So I, said to my dad, just, just email again. Let's, let's try one more time and just say, you know, like we, but we'd really just, so he emailed and said, we just would really like to meet with our head pastor, you know, about this. We've already met with, you know, this particular gentleman. And we were told again, no, I had asked another assistant pastor that I knew and loved if I could have the phone number of the head pastor ahead of time so I could call him. And he said, no, we don't give it out. Um, I was told by other people they're not going to bother him with this. And so we had three gigantic problems, one of which was the violent man, another of which was the social justice thing, and another of which was a, a, a pastor or an ecclesiology that, that basically, when had a disagreement, wouldn't talk. And so after a lot of prayer and months of this going on, we had to make the decision to leave the church of my youth that I had been at for 30-plus years and a member of for over 20, a serving member, a teaching member. Um, I, I documented out what I could in order um, in, an, in a, a letter so I could send it to the head pastor, and I sent it to the assistant pastor that I knew as well um, at the end of it, basically saying that I was 
you know, regretfully revoking my membership, but I said, I'm doing this in one last ditch effort to try to save the church of my youth that I love. And I used those particular words and then I signed it myself, my wife and every one of my kids, because I wanted to make it hit home that they were losing us all. And, um, yeah, so I'm a little, little bit labored, sorry, but that is unfortunately how I had to leave the church of my youth that I loved and I still love very much. What, what Tony, do you think was the, the thing that was the, un the thing that would, that broke the fellowship? Like, Obviously, you probably could have worked around the the issue of the guy. I'm guessing, right? It, it caused you some problems. But I don't. I don't. From what I'm hearing, that's not the 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 main thing. What was kind of like this is this is the sign. This is where I. This is what is the thing. Yeah. The so I don't, I don't want to downplay the importance of obviously protecting your family and yourself and again there's there's a lot more of those stories in there too but i was still very concerned about that but yeah the the i think the thing that accelerated it all i guess that's probably the best way to put it was finding out about the social justice thing initially and it was just the the fact that a church could embrace a worldly reconciliation that's not real reconciliation and that the, the a church would go to the world for the definition and and outpouring of what reconciliation is rather than the bible was immensely concerning to me and the fact that they thought that they had to do that and that they didn't understand it i mean i was even told that they had devoted one third of the focus of the church to um racial diversity and those things were that that to me was so concerning but again i think i guess what broke the fellowship completely was because even in then i was still in so much disbelief that i'm like there there has to be i have to be getting this wrong there this guy had to have explained it to me wrong this couldn't be happening and that's why i wanted to go talk to my my head pastor i'm like Maybe he doesn't know that this guy came in and talked. I mean, he should, but maybe he didn't. But the thing that there was just no, it was just no. It was just, you, you have to accept this. And no, we're not going to have a conversation. We're not going to have an explanation. No. And, and I again, I, I, I told you the initial story of my original pastor to juxtapose those, because I... I I, I mean, I'm sure that's how you are with, with your church, and, and I've known other pastors that are this way with their church in terms of they're open to talking to other people. They're their shepherd, and they're there to talk to them. Even if you have, I mean, even if you have the guy that's like, I want to talk to you about the color of the carpet in the church. I mean, as annoying as all heck, you know, but I'm, I'm sure you're at least going to have <laughs> some, some semblance of a conversation, at least in the onset. I mean, if it's like the 30th time he's coming to you, yeah, maybe say no. But that, I think to me, that was, the biggest, that was probably the nail in the coffin for me was just when there was, it was just shut down. There was no, there was no conversation about it. There, there was just accept this thing 
that has destroyed denominations, entire, I mean, not just churches, but entire denominations, just decimated them, just accept it. And it was like, I can't do that, because I love my church too much. I love my people, and I love the gospel. Like, I, I love the, the real, reconcil- real reconciliation that the Bible has to offer, and only the Bible has to offer. Um. I don't know if that answers your question. I that that was yeah yeah no yeah. I think it, it does. Um, the, I was trying to get at is that you had it was not just one issue and you were out. It was you had some questions. You tried to work right. through it, and you reached a part where you actually there was no moving forward. And to be fair, and to be fair too, like I there were other things I disagreed with the church that I I, di- I didn't go and talk to them about. There were and it wasn't things that I was like you know stewing in or anything like that. It was just, I, I would have rather just sung psalms and hymns, you know, and they sang other kind of very upbeat things, and there was a lot of weird stuff with the worship and stuff at the front. And, but there were other things they were starting to lean reformed at one point. You know, they, were start, they embraced the doctrines of grace, and they were starting to go that. You know what I mean? So there was this, this kind of hope in my heart that it was like, okay, look, there's these other things. I can overlook these things. I can work through, you know, I can, these are not, not that they're not important, but these are not central, you know, issues of salvation or something. And it looks like everybody's kind of heading the right direction. And, and anyway, I, I, I add that in there because I know that there are going to be people that are just like, well, I, I'm at this church and, you know, I'd rather them only sing Psalms and they sing hymns. You know that kind of thing, and it's like there, there are there are issues that matter, and then there are issues that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, there's this quote that I want to um, I want to read to you. Uh, give me one second to to find it here. There's this quote. I think this is very helpful because it's it's going to help us lay the groundwork for our, for the the people here. Because what we want to talk, we're going to, as we're talking about, and as you laid out, we're talking about what happens when you have to to leave a church, and it's really, you think about it. We we confess, at least in our church, we confess the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed, and both of those say that we believe in. Like the Apostles' Creed says, "I believe in the, the the Holy Catholic Church," and the Nicene Creed says, "I believe in one Catholic and Apostolic Church, one church," mm-hmm. and. So the idea of hopping churches, which is happens quite a bit, is very foreign to the Bible, right? It, it's it's not quite the way that things should be. Uh, to you, you can't imagine if you didn't like the church in Corinth. Well, I guess you can move your whole family to another town, <laughs> but you're yeah. you're not. There's not like eighteen churches on every corner, right? Yeah. Right. You're there and you're working it out. And there may be, and there are times to come out. I mean, that's what the Protestant Reformation was actually, um, as an attempt to reform. And then as they were kicked out, they were forced out. They, uh, in one sense, uh, I would argue that actually there was a split there and they kept going. The reformers kept going in the line of the church that came before the, the true church. But there was this sense of division that happened there, but, but it's really not meant to have all like a, a smorgasbord of church churches, a, a, a buffet, if you will. So 
and yet in God's providence, there is uh, there are often opportunities and different options for us with our families in the areas where we live, so that we can find a church that uh, uh, that we can fit in and serve. Hey, before you read that quote, yep. One thing I do want to say is I know there are going to be people that are listening to this probably because of um, you know by the time you're listening to this, the the description of the episode is going to entail what we're talking about. So I know there are going to be people listening to this that are right now considering leaving their church, and that's understandable, and you're probably looking for wisdom or instruction or something on this. I don't want you guys to use me leaving my church as, well, Tony left his church so I can leave my church, okay? You may have to leave your church, but I'm not here to tell you because I left my church, you should leave your church. I'm also not your pastor, and I mean, I'm sure some people from your church are listening, but Joseph is not your pastor either. My my thing is just if you're if you're considering it, pause the episode for a sec and please just pray that God gives you discernment and wisdom and patience and then listen to the rest of this episode because just please. And and Tony, to be very clear, you 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 are at a church. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You're you're. <laughs> I'm not you're just not floating alone. out you're there. Not alone. Yeah, 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 you're not a lone yeah, ranger. Yeah. All right. Well, here's this this quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer which is very, very good. Um, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own laws, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of the brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. And when things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally despairing accuser of himself. Because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we entered into common life with them, we enter that common life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. We thank God for giving us brethren who live by his call, by his forgiveness and his promise. We do not complain of what God does not give us. We rather thank God for what he does give us daily. And so, this is what he's saying. Visionary dreaming. Initially, you think, well, you know, our church has a vision statement. We have pastors have a vision for the the, the mission, the vision of the church. What he's talking about, though, is people that have we have this ideal picture of what church is going to be, and we have all of our theological ducks that we're going to want to line up, and we have this just this thing. This is what it's going to be, and so we come in with this dream and then reality doesn't match the dream because we don't live in the perfect world. We live with sinners. We live with people who are inconsistent in their theology, right? They may hold and claim to hold to some even confession of faith, like Westminster confession of faith, and yet they're inconsistent on some parts, you know, uh, and sometimes Consistency can be a problem. Was that Chesterton? Have you heard that quote? Um, uh, 
what is it? Uh, foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. <laughs> nice. Something like that. It's 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 a. Uh, Sometimes consistency can be bad. You need, there's wisdom on applying things. So anyways, you, you're at a church. You've got this vision of a church and all the theology is not hitting. And then some issue or bad thing happens. And our temptation is like, well, I'm out of here. I'm gone. This isn't hitting my vision anymore. This isn't hitting what I think it ought to be. And uh, that gut reaction, we have to check. We're as we're talking about the possibility of leaving a church, we is just like, in a sense, divorce. You know, when I grew up, my parents made sure they told us once that the word divorce was never used in our household. Good. My wife and I have said the same thing. That ours, word will never too. be spoken to each other. Yep. Uh, now, I'm not of the permanence view like the, the, I don't even like calling it the permanence view because I do believe marriage is permanent and it's a covenant. But, um, I also believe that Christ has laid out what happened when divorce can happen for adultery and the breaking of the covenant and would not hold the innocent party guilty. But we don't use that word divorce. And that same kind of mindset is the mindset we ought to have with our church. Now, this ought to make you wise in first the church that you select, uh, right? You want to do a little research into your church that you're going to go to. And um, we've all made that time as fullest decisions. And, and again, Psalm 15 says the man swears to his own hurt. Uh, the, the godly man does. So my first initial advice, and this is uh, the reason this is in my mind, Tony, is I've, <laughs> I've talked to a ton of people. Who's who are struggling with this issue? Their church, actually, kind of what it was. So for you, it was that man that the 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 with the the that might be violent that was had a report of maybe even a threat to the church. That was kind of the catalyst that kind of opened your eyes more to the other stuff, and you saw these other things. For many people, I think it is the the COVID shutdowns and the mm -hmm. mask stuff. Mm -hmm. And and my initial thought on that is like who gives a rip about a mask, man? These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can't wear a mask to, to be near them, if, if they want you to, then you've let a, you've let a piece of cloth come between you and your family. So my initial reaction is that's stupid to, to divide over that. But on the other hand, for many people, and I, I, and I do almost consider it a red flag if a church is really just laying it on thick with all the COVID restrictions and not having any kind of discussion with their people. And I mean, it's just, and not any concern for your conscience that ends up being a red flag. And that's what I'm seeing. It's been a red black flag for a lot of people. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that's happening. And now all this woke stuff is happening. Like our, our pastors have been, saying that they're racist and not you know <laughs> in a way that accuses everybody of being a, a racist no matter what and and having diversity quotas and slandering patriotism and love of country and then and they're also soft on sexuality like they they don't ever stand up against 
feminism and those things. And so I'm, I'm here and seeing a lot of that. Um, but I think our first initial reaction, and I think it was yours. If I, I remember talking through with you when this was going on, your reaction was I'm staying, yeah. I'm working this out Yeah. and they might have to kick me out, but I'm staying. Yeah. And that's what we, that's the first thing we want to drive home is that you made if you made a covenant, you keep your covenant. Um, so when Tony, what is the breaking point of the covenant then? Like what, what is the point in which you can't leave? I mean, I mean that you have to leave. Um, I don't think how to describe it. Um, I mean, I think the breaking of any covenant, I think it's when you, you break or somebody, a party breaks the, the vows, I think of the covenant. So I think, I guess, in terms of church membership, then you got to ask yourself, what what were those vows? And some church membership's vows are different than others, or what are maybe the general vows of church membership? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think one of the general vows of church membership is that, you know, you, you are entrusting, at least as a, a person that's not in, in the eldership, you are entrusting yourself to men that will rightly divide the word of God for you and that will not abandon it. Um, and I, for, for me, that was really, you know, once we got into the social justice thing, because that is not the gospel, that's antithetical to the gospel. So that's another gospel and another kind of reconciliation that never is actually re- reconciliation. Um, and then the next part of that, of course, that third part, which is that you know, my, my, my head pastor and really the, the elders that were the ruling elders, if you want to call them that in that church, just weren't going to be shepherds. They weren't going to talk to you. They weren't going to guide you in it. They just were like, nope. And that was it. That's all you got. You got no guidance except for just, nope, I'm not going to talk about it. And, and it, again, I go back to you. This was not the color of the carpet. This was something that was a very weighty matter, as we can see evidenced in other denominations that are either being destroyed or have been destroyed by this. So, yeah. I, so I, the breaking of the covenant yeah. in those cases, then. So actually, I, I know churches have bound. There's probably a million different vows that people take, but they usually break down into something like uh, a profession of faith and a. Uh, a, an agreement to work, to submit to the leadership of the church. And then usually there is some sense in which the church will say, and we also promise to, to strengthen our ties together, or mm-hmm. we promise to basically some kind of promise of care. And so you, you write, when you go to a church, you are in a sense, pledging your submission of obedience to pastors and elders or Deacons, whatever church you have, I mean, whatever the the ecclesiology of your church, um, and obviously you're doing that to sinful men. I mean, no matter the best of church, right? You come to my church, you're pledging allegiance. No, you're not pledging allegiance. You're pledging. <laughs> <laughs> I pledge, pledge allegiance, allegiance to <laughs> Joseph Spurgeon. That's no, not right. Uh, That's what nice. we do every Sunday. We raise our hands, put a hand on our chest. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm, we're gonna need a new co-host uh, for this. Okay. Hey, hey, you know what? This is good though. I lose a co-host, but um, uh, Jeremiah over there, cultish, uh, gains a new episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, but we do. Uh, uh, you do take an oath to submit to the leadership of the church. I'm a sinful man. I know my sins. I I fail. I'm not on purpose. I'm striving to to do what's right. But you know, I uh, there's there's failings in every pastor. Is the point I'm trying to make. And love covers a multitude of sins. And so you can be at a church, and and most people are where we know that there's all kinds of issues, minor issues where we might have disagreement, might have a difference on eschatology. You might have a difference, you know, at our church, uh, we have unity on the issue of baptism or I mean, uh, charity on the issue of baptism. So you might have difference on, on the timing and mode of baptism. Um, I mean, so that's a pretty big, actually a pretty big deal there on that, that difference. So there are things that are, um, you can have differences on that are, they don't rise to the level of necessarily destroying the faith. But then there are things when there's like false teaching um, and uh, the woke stuff is false teaching because it's a different gospel as you've laid out. Yep. And in that case, you're, 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 your covenant is in the process of being broke. It's they go woke, the covenant is broke. I don't, <laughs> I, I think we need even with some charity on that. So sometimes, as I said, like I said, pastors are sinful, and sometimes they're stupid, and they may be speaking things, and we're often stupid, and we may hear things that they're not intending, and that's why the conversations, just as you would with your wife, right? Your wife says one thing bad to you, you don't go and get the divorce papers. <laughs> you work out. You're talking through this thing, and uh, so I think before you leave your church. Uh, you need to make sure is this covenant being broken? Is is this a place where I I'm uh, can take my family as a father and they be edified and equipped for the ministry and be and be uh, trained in the gospel? Or is this a place where every week on the way home I have to contradict the pastor's message? Uh, because. There may be times on the way home, it's like, well, you know, whatever the pastor said is good, except for this little part. We, we believe this a little bit different. That's okay. But if it's week in, week out that you're contradicting the pastor's message, you're, you're teaching your children, actually, uh, to not respect authority. Right. And yeah. Yeah. To, to, you're teaching them what's preached from the pulpit doesn't matter. So if that's the case, you're not at the church you need to be at. It could be you're just you're the round uh, peg and trying to fit in a square hole, and you're 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 at an Arminian church where or the you know um, we'll call it traditional Baptist church, and you you got reformed. You listened to Piper and to and then to Sproul, and now you moved on to like more confessional people, and you're just like well. Uh, everybody here is going to be reformed. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to write a letter to everybody in the church and. Uh, you're not going to change the culture of the church. You're either going to have to decide, can I deal with this and shut my mouth and and listen and receive? Or if we hit the impasse where we can't keep our covenants because we're, we're two or not in agreement, they can't walk together. And I think on those, some of those issues and stuff you were mentioning. So I, I had, there's some of you listening might actually have been the people I'm talking about. So I'm not going to name your names, but like I had a few John. good, good John, 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 and John. Um, I had a few good. I mean, a lot of good conversations at our Fight Life Feast conference uh, last fall, and the, even then, there was a lot of this 
the, these questions going out of, hey, I'm at this church and, and they sang this song or they sang two Bethel songs last week or, or you know, a couple different things. They got a woman deacon or something like that. What do I do? You know, and, and it was always, like you were saying, one of my first questions when, you know, was always, have you, have you talked to your elders? And it was like, if some of you are laughing because you probably remember of these conversations and they're like, no, I'm like, well, you, you should go do that. And, and then the other thing was, like you were saying, there's some of these things you have to ask yourself, can I work through this or not? And because you're, you're not, for most of you that are probably listening to this, you're, you're not the elder in that church. And, and you trying to effectively become that elder in that church to reform them into every other doctrine, you know, their eschatology, their, all of that stuff, is, is not going to go well, especially if you're not talking to the elders. Um, but then there does come, there are certain subjects, there are certain things, like what we're talking about here in particular, that you still need to go talk to the elders about it, but that's, that's a much more weighty matter in terms of now you have to decide, what do I do? Can I, can I stay? Can I go? But I think, and there were some guys that I talked to that I, I hope, and you guys should reach out and tell me if this went well. I hope it went well. Because there were some of you that talked to me and said, every time I want to talk to my elders about such and such subject, they've met with me and they've talked with me and it hasn't become heated and we've had good conversations and you know they've asked me to teach a Bible study class or something like that or whatever. And it seems like you guys are having conversations and they're listening. And not necessarily what I mean listening, like not that they're always taking your side on it, but there is an actual like brotherly conversation going on and there's trying to have something work out in that. And I hope that's went well, but that is not what happened in, in, in my case. And maybe we get into that then, Joseph, I, I, that next part is what happens when you hit that impasse. Yeah, I just I wanted to, to say one more thing about that. I know we're beating a dead horse before we get to that, but well, it's, it goes back to that visionary dreaming thing. But in one sense, we all have this idea where we think we're going to be like we're the next Martin Luther. <laughs> like we're going to nail the 95 thesis on the door. We're going to... You, I, I, there was a, there's been a couple people that I've met with that, that had. So I, written, I think that what some people, I don't know, they have this starry eyed vision in their head of what it was like for Martin Luther to nail these 95 theses to the door. And it's like some rebel act of defiance, you know, and he was angrily nailing this thing to the door. And I don't think they realized there's a bunch of other stuff nailed up there because it was the way that they, started those conversations or uh, contests of uh, discussion and stuff on that too. Um, not that, you know, it didn't have an effect, but the effect really was because if I remember right, his students were the ones that really actually kind of blew that up because I think they printed it out and uh, passed mm-hmm, it out. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, my, my point is that, that you'll get a lot of people that will, like you were saying, that want to be the next Martin Luther because they have this idea in their head this wasn't, it's not what Martin Luther was like when he was doing that. In fact, Martin Luther, if you read a lot of it, was scared out of his mind a lot of the times when he was talking to them, because this was a weighty thing he was, he was saying as he was doing it. And I don't know, I just wanted to point that out because I, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that, yeah, that's, that's the version they have in their head of Martin Luther, and that, that wasn't what happened. Yeah, and I've also seen where it's very similar to kind of deal with that, is that, like, I've, I've had a couple people where I sat down with them, and they had this letter that they were going to give their pastor. And it was actually this list 
of like yes. 20 things. Yes. There was like 20 different issues that they've never talked to him about before, probably never. And yeah. it was something that set them off. And not only were they like a list, they were like accusatory. Like you don't preach good stuff like that. Like, like you, you, you <laughs> and you want to, you want to have a pastor not listen to you come with a list of 20 things that you're just anybody not, not listen thing. to you. Yeah. Bring a list of stuff you've never talked to them about and harbored for months or years and then throw it in their face and tell them they're an idiot and then watch what happens. It's not going to be what you think. Yeah. You're not the hero. You're not like, uh, um, you're the idiot. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, point being again i just can't we can't drive this home enough is that uh it takes patience it takes a willingness to try to work with your church and don't come with a whole list all at once if you've had issues before you should be at a church where you can talk with your pastor and elders unless you're at some super stupid mega church then I don't know why you're there to begin with, but unless you're someplace where like the guy's a super celebrity and you can't talk to him, your pastors most likely will want to talk to you. And if they don't, um, then that's actually a very good sign that you probably ought to leave. But most pastors will want to talk to you, even if they don't agree with you. And even if you still end up having to leave over some issues that are just un unmovable issues, they're willing to talk with you and they would rather you talk with them uh, as you're dealing with them. And then until you wait to the last minute at yep. the, and, and you're like, I'm leaving. And here is my, uh, my middle finger to you in the form of this list. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good <laughs> way to put it. Cause that's basically what it's like. It's, it's like, you've been harboring this bitterness for how long? And, and, and the, I mean, they'll look at that. I'm, I, I know I, I've heard the stories even too. It's like, this, this guy gave me this whole list of that. I've never even heard of it. I've he's never talked to me about this before. And now he's leaving. He's taking his whole family with him. Like what, what the heck happened? You know? And <laughs> it reminds like, me of office space. He's like, where's my stapler? He burns it's, the place down. He burns it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted my stapler. I just wanted you to stop, stop singing those songs. Like, yeah, let's exactly. It's just this weird. Uh, and, and you know what it, I, I, part of it, I, I honestly think part of it is our, we have this, pseudo-confrontational culture, right? Where we're big and brave when we're online and we can post something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And then, like, when it's in person, like, you, you just, you're, you're not going to say a word. And, mm, and, and yeah. it gets to this where you're big and brave when it's, like, this faceless thing. So it makes this breakdown of that this is another person and then when you get in person, you don't know how to deal with them because you're just you're you're used to dealing with a profile picture, and and it's it's a weird break. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying I think that's kind of where our culture is going with it. So we have this kind of weird, you know, everybody's triggered, but nobody wants to talk about it, and and then it's like that's I think how it blows up at the end. And 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 to be clear, the letter that I wrote at the end was not this long list of all of this stuff. It was I went from the beginning of when I learned of this guy and I, I just kind of tried to track it historically and then basically say why I was concerned at each point. And then at the end of it, just kind of ended out being like, you know, and I, I wanted to talk about it and I, I tried to talk about it and I, I wanted to stay and all of that. 
Um, but it was not this. It was not this bullet point list of all these other things that that, that they had not heard about. It, it was actually everything they had heard about and everything I'd been trying to talk with them about for months and months and months. And even in the end of it, it wasn't a big, you know, middle finger, you know, whatever I'm leaving. My last lines were about how much I this grieved me and how much I loved my church and how much I loved them and how much they were still my brothers and how much even in doing this thing that was so hard, I wanted and prayed that this would be something that would hopefully wake that church up so that it it wouldn't it wouldn't destroy itself. Because I, I, I told them this is the church of my youth and the church that I love. And I still love them. And and it they've since went on crazier woke and that grieves me a lot but i i still love them i still know some people that are there um still see a few people that are there from time to time and i i, I love them immensely but i i my hope is that they they change that they repent of all that nonsense and and become a good church again because at one point they were even if i didn't agree with the eschatology or grew to not agree with the eschatology they were still bible believing christians and they were my brothers and sisters and a lot of them still are and yeah. Anyway, but the, my letter was not. <laughs> my yeah, letter. Well, your was letter not was this, because yeah. you could not talk to them. Correct. Exactly. It was. This is what I would have said if I would have been able to go talk to them. Not. This is what I should have said three months ago or something. Which I think is the, in the case mm-hmm. of most people that write those letters. It's like this is what you should have said all that time back versus what they wouldn't let you say. Well, now let's let's talk about. So we talked. We've laid a case pretty hard for sticking, staying long term. I think. And but let's talk about what what might cause you to leave. And obviously, your pastor is not willing to talk with you about anything. They're not shepherding you. Um, is is a good sign of a church you should not be at. If if, if they're unwilling to talk with you and and be pastors to you, um, unless I would say that unless you have already talked to them a million times about the issue and they've kind of laid it out, right? Right. Yes. Yes. So. They're, they're kind of, I know there's a lot of people that are like little chihuahuas and they just grab an issue and they won't let it go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Yo, scripture. But um. <laughs> so don't be that person. But if, if they won't pastor you, then you leave. If they're teaching false doctrine and not just some difference on a minor issue, but a, a, a new gospel, they are. Um, they're caving on issues of sexuality of, and, and I, I would even say like, what I mean by that is they're promoting homosexuality or outright promoting women into ministry into those, I mean, and women into pastoral or, 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 they're, or, or they're afraid like verbatim tell you that they, they won't talk about it or they're afraid of talking about it too. I think. Yeah. I think that is a, a sign. It might be yes. something you can overlook. I mean, if, if they're bold on everything else, but I mean, obviously that if they're, yeah, you they're afraid goes that might hand at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and, the question and, you got to ask, and, well, and what you're saying too is I, like you, you made the point before, and I think it's a good point to bring up again is be sure that's what's going on too. Like, like just because you heard them say the word, race or racial or racial hatred or whatever, something like that, be sure that's actually what they're trying to say. They may have just chose the wrong words, or you just may, and that's understandable in this climate, be super easily triggered by those words, because we hear it all the time, you know, jammed down our throats. Maybe they're just trying to take a word from culture 
and and bring it into the conversation to talk about it in the right way and you just heard it and all of a sudden you, your brain just shut off and you're like oh no 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 but so like actually make sure that's that's what they're saying and 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 even when you ask <laughs> don't don't go you know like with the super triggered way and be like so are we woke now you know like just just be like hey you know what on on Sunday I heard you mention the word racial unity what did you mean by that and just let them answer and maybe you'll find out it was a biblical definition of it, and it just that triggered you or something. Or maybe you'll find out it wasn't. I don't know. But I think what you said before is to make sure you're not hearing something. You know, that's make sure you're hearing something yeah. is actually there. So the list here then is the covenant's been broken by bad pastoral care, um, uh, uh, and by bad pastoral. I mean, no pastoral care basically um, by uh, false doctrine. Here is another way in which the covenant is broken in a sense. It may not even necessarily be sinful, and that is you are at a church and and God has changed your theology to such a point that you're no longer in agreement with even the basics of the church. So if you're in a Baptist church and you become paedo-Baptist, now you may be able to stick it out there and they may be open to that. But if you've become so convinced of paedo-baptism that you have to teach it and you have to have your children baptized and you are going to cause uh, um, division and disturb the peace and unity of that church, just go to the Presbyterian church, right? Just go to the church that you align with. Don't try to be the, the, the Lutheran in a Calvinist church that you're and, – and, that uh, that you're and you're constantly trying you that you're you that's your mission you know right. what i mean and you may have a you, good enough relationship at your your baptist church then too that if it is a if it is a issue that you're not going to be able to stay on you should have a good relationship enough that you can go and explain it and just say like i don't want to cause division in this church i love you guys but but i i'm i think i need to leave and go to you know a presbyterian church because i I'm a Pado Baptist and I just I don't I love you guys enough that I don't want to cause that kind of division, but I feel like I, I just can't stay for that. And my guess is if you've had a good standing with your church and, and you know your elders well enough to do my, my guess is they're gonna understand that your your genuine desire is to to keep the unity of that church and to not cause, you know, discord and stuff to happen. Yeah. I mean, maybe you were in like a full on Arminian church and they and and then you get reformed and then you're like upset that they're not. Calvinist, mm-hmm. and maybe they're willing to let you stay. And actually, uh, you can stay if, if uh, I mean, uh, if you're willing to abide by the peace. But I think if there's, I know for myself, um, I would be uncomfortable taking my family to a, 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 a and being a member of a church that's full on Armenian. And even though I, um, I'm not of the type that would accuse every non-reformed person of being a heretic or a, 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 that thing. But so I think that can happen. Your theology can change. Um, and then issues of conflict. And this is where it gets really kind of hairy is like you have personal conflict with somebody in the church. And, and that's where you have to, follow the scriptures about how to resolve conflict. And um, to a point, I mean, if there comes a point in which, 
I don't know. The conflict is between you and the elders, and the elders are are sinful, and they've been sinning, and they're they're abuse of you, and there is no um, way forward because there's no outside accountability or something like that. Um, that may be a time that you have to to move on. Um, so bringing that back around, your church making everybody wear masks, they're become woke, and they're they're not. They're they're kind of new Calvinist, and you're you're a Presbyterian that's been going there, and you're really uh, Westminster Confession of Faith. You want the Psalms and stuff. What's your advice, Tony? Do they leave the church? They stay? I mean, just knowing just that that's that's kind of all right. So so lay it out one more time. I'm putting you on the spot. Lay it out right? one more time. Okay. What's what's all the What's all the issues? You've been going, going to this church. It's kind of a new Calvinist. I call it new Calvinist. So it's maybe maybe five point four point. Calvinist, uh, they don't hold to like Westminster confessions or anything like that. But you become you're, you're, you you yourself personally hold to Westminster Confession of Faith, or and I'm saying this not to pick on the Baptists, so I'm not saying you're holding to like the 1689. So you're holding Westminster, and uh, you prefer Psalms to be sung, um, and you uh, definitely don't like that. Uh, they, um, I don't know, they, they have like a Christmas pageant and, but you've been going there long enough for, with that stuff. Uh, COVID's hit, they shut down. Now they're making everybody wear masks. And the last few times you're there, the, the pastor has been preaching, uh, uh, stuff that sounds woke. And, uh, what do you do? This is kind of our final conclusion here. I'm, I'm putting this and everything we've said now into some kind of practice. What do you do? Well, I've, my standard response to that is you go talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the end. That's I it. I mean, I, 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 maybe even to a fault, and you probably remember that even back then, I think mm-hmm. maybe even to a fault, I just err on the side of try to work it out. <laughs> and, and, and I am not, I mean, anybody that knows me, I mean, I'm not, uh, afraid of a fight or anything in, in terms of things like, but I, I, man, there's just like you're saying, I mean, nobody, there's no perfect church and that's not an excuse for going woke and teaching heresy. But if you just, if you, if you never engage and you never love your brother enough to go talk to him about it and have a disagreement, how's that, how's anybody ever going to be sharpened? You're never going to be sharpened. I mean, you're never going to have any pushback. You're not actually in a real fight. You're just retreating constantly. And, and, but yeah, yeah my, 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 I go talk. More. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, let great. You're going to throw one more, one more thing more. in it. And they have a there's woman pastor. Church. Then there, you leave. There's, <laughs> a, yeah, no, there's another church in your town that is Westminster Confession of Faith that doesn't do the things you don't like. And you believe they're a faithful church. You still now, talk. Does that, you still talk to the elders of the church you're at. And then you figure it out from there. But you have to go talk to them first. You, you have to have that conversation because they, Maybe you maybe you heard it wrong. Maybe they are actually going that route, and then all of a sudden you talk to them, and maybe that's maybe that's what needs to happen. And they're like, "Man, you know what? I I didn't. You're right. Maybe I'm erring towards that, or something. Like I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I know that's what everybody wants to happen. They want to be the savior of their church, and I know that generally doesn't happen. But you still have you still have the mandate. You have to go talk to them. They're still your brothers. Period. Uh, you, you just you have to. You can't just 
if you if you listen to this show for crying out loud, if you listen to this show, you shouldn't be retreating all the time, okay? Like go fight, okay? Like the right way, but please, like stop retreating. Now, let's say your same scenario. And a woman pastor, you leave. I already said that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Same scenario. You do talk. And they're going woke. Maybe they won't admit it, that kind of thing. And all these things are are hitting you that you've been concerned with. And there is the other church. And so you you've looked at it and you said, I can't bring my family here. We've already been compromising for too long to be here. We're going to leave. How do you leave? I think you have another conversation if they'll hear you out. Tony just wants to talk, man. Hey, we're yeah. on a podcast. All right. This is this is my bread and butter. This is what I do. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you need to like explain it out. I mean, at the even at a, a minimum, at least maybe, maybe you can leave on good terms, even then. Even with that, even I mean woke real woke churches that's a that you could leave on a good term with that's that's a that's a fabled unicorn i think maybe but maybe if they're starting to head that route and 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 they're just they're more convinced that they have to kind of be woke and you're like no whatever maybe maybe you can leave on good terms and then maybe you can still have somewhat of a relationship with them and and hopefully maybe like maybe you leave right like I like again, I, I still have men that I know and still meet with from my old church that I left and have not been at for a while. And and occasionally I will bring things up to them and and we have a good enough relationship, at least those men. I, I obviously leadership I don't, but at least those men that we can talk about some subjects and stuff and make each other think on it. And and it would be great if you could leave a church in the in the leadership. You could still do that. Maybe if they're across town, like you said, I don't know. Maybe you could be like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm going to leave. I think I'm going to go to this church over here because I, we have this severe disagreement on this, and I don't think we're going to be able to, you know, have fellowship on Sunday together because of this." But I would still love to be able to, like, I don't know, meet you for coffee or sweet tea, whatever you drink, um, you know, from time to time, and maybe still at least have a brotherly relationship with them, and hopefully continue to pray for them. And maybe, maybe God will use that to help bring them out of that. I mean, there have been, there, I mean, the Corinthian church, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, yeah. they turned things around, so. Really. And, and, and I'd like to say this to give our listeners some ease on their consciences, if they are in that circumstance, um, and you do have to leave. And that is, I, I, I don't think it is a sin to look out for where your your family needs best and and to and to go to a church where you're going to be able to be equipped for ministry and you're going to give yourself into ministry uh it may be that's what god calls you to rather than to stay at a place where you're completely frustrated all the time and you you regret going to church at again it's not the ideal thing in our world where people can hop from church to church and but God has in, in His providence afforded us this opportunity where we can find a like-minded church, and it may be the thing where you have to move your family to find a like-minded church, and you should uh, do that with faith. 
not um i mean there's a sense of regret i think of like as you're you're saying a regret of of broken relationships and but you can do that with faith trusting the lord that uh even broken relationships can be repaired in time um but uh so you got to have faith in whatever decision you make here but the, the point that we've been driving home over and over and over and over and over again is you do so in such a way that you're honoring Christ and you're, you're not disrespecting the authorities of your churches and you are, um, you're not burning all your bridges. Well, and I give a little bit of advice from after we left, do yourself a favor and don't just jump into the first like reformed church that you, you find. Okay. Um, I'm not, saying that God might bring that to you or whatever, but just don't church hop. I'm not advocating that you just go forever, you know, without a home church or something, but just be careful. Be careful that, so for for instance, for me, just to give you an idea, I came out of a dispensationalist, non-denominational church, okay? I came out of the very big worship band up front, all sorts of, you know, whatever going on. And then I was already reformed by that point and had been there for a while, you know, really wishing they would knock some of that stuff off. Uh, again, not the reason I left, but that was still there. And so pretty much coming out of that, any Reformed church like at all looked phenomenal to me. And so just be careful with that, because it, even as we were saying earlier, there are Reformed churches that are going woke and things that are going on there. So just pray, you know, maybe maybe write down some questions or topics and, you know, ask the, go out to coffee or, or meet the pastors, you know, I mean, you should be. Go out multiple times to get to know them. Um, if they have your at home or have them over to your home and, and just say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to throw out some topics and maybe some names or something and we don't have to agree on it all. I just, I just kind of want to know what your thoughts are and just toss them out there and let them talk about it. And, and it, it may be, you throw out there like, you know, eschatology or something. Maybe they say I'm millennialism and you're a post-millennialist or whatever. You know, I mean, that's something you got to decide. Is that something that I can be okay with if, if everything else is pretty good? You know, or you throw out, hey, Beth Moore, and they're like, I love her. And then you're like, okay, next church. Um, you know, <laughs> like you're going to get to know some of those things. And I think that might be a good thing to do. And so like, take your time, but not forever. Um, but just just be careful, because, man, when I came out, it was like, because I'd been in that church for so long, right? And it was just like, man, every, every Reformed church was just like, I'll take that one, you know? Like, and so just, just, just be careful on that one, and, and, and do your due diligence, and maybe even just sit down with your wife and figure out what are—because, again, those are things, too, that, you know, I, I sat with my wife and started going, like, what are things that you feel like you know, you need in a church. Cause sometimes she, you know, there was a few things she said that I just really hadn't thought of, you know, as a man. So try to figure that out. What, what, what are the needs of your family and where can that be met? And then go get to know the pastors. I mean, one of the best things to do when you get there is at least from my experience is be like, Hey, you know, introduce yourself. This is my family. Um, I'd love to talk to you sometime or, or meet you and get to know you, you know, <clears throat> outside of Sunday or whatever. And if like 
there was a few churches that were just like, oh, okay, you know, call my secretary and make a a, a meeting, and it was like, do, 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 you know, can I have your number or something? It was like a small church, and they were like, no, I don't do that, and it was like, okay, well, maybe maybe I'll move on to the next church, you know. And and I found churches that were guys, you know, the pastors, once we even even once we didn't stay at that were just like, hey man, and they write down their number like within five minutes of meeting, like you call me anytime. Yeah, we'll we'll schedule something this week. Let's go out for coffee and sit down and meet. And it was like, okay. This is a church that I at least want to get to know, even if I don't stay here. You know, like this is a church that I definitely, I got to start here, you know, that I can, that this pastor is willing to meet with me and he's giving me his number. And that's a good sign, <laughs> at least a good starting sign. I don't know if you have any other things to look for. No, I mean, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> What's that's true. Yeah, we're already like, a hundred, we're already uh, an hour and 20 minutes in. So sorry, this is a longer oh, yeah. one, but. I think it's no, I think it's I think it's helpful subject, in yeah. our times. So the last I guess the, my final thoughts on this is uh, we we've, we've already kind of laid it all out, but my final thoughts is um when you do if you do leave do so in a good and godly manner and you don't have to join the very next thing that you find right away, but man, do not get out of the habit of going and fellowshipping and worshiping with God's people. Yeah, and like you were saying with the moving thing, maybe you end up having to move, but like if that next week going on that you're not going to be at that church and the the closest church that you think possibly you can agree with is an hour away, guess what you're doing? You're going to drive an hour that next Sunday or something to go there. And I know some people, look, I get it. I have kids, you have kids, a lot of people listening have kids. I know it's a lot to get in the car and a lot to go like a long distance or something with them. And I'm not saying that's necessarily something you need to do indefinitely. You may have to move to go to that church if that, that hour long drive is too long. But I do try to remind myself that the early church may have had to walk a pretty decent distance, you know, to, to get to maybe wherever they were gathering, you know, we have cars. So like, I guess just take that with a grain of salt. In the Philippines, salt. Tony, in the Philippines, when I went, um, my wife's church, there were people that came every Sunday, three hours away, a taxi you drive, uh, a, 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 I mean, taxi is not like a car. It's a, a, a bike. Bike. Yeah. It's a bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, and, but that's my point is I'm not saying that's fun. And I'm not saying that, you know, you, you maybe depending on how your family takes it or the age of your kids, you may have to move or something, but it's not, if that really is the closest good solid church and one that you're going to be going to long term either suck it up and drive that hour every sunday or move but i i mean we drive like 40 minutes or something uh which to me is not a big deal because i drive like an hour each way to work every day but i know to my wife and kids it's more of a bigger deal but we drive like 40 minutes to the church we go to now and i'm i'm fine with it we just schedule that's we have everything laid out in the morning as in terms of when we're leaving and how long it takes to get there and when we're going to get there. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it for a good church with good people. And I, I would just really caution you to not be like, well, I have nothing within five minutes, you know, well, tough. Sometimes, you know, you have to, especially nowadays, you may have to go a little further, but is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's worth it. You got any final words? Um, no, not that I can. Um, no, but I, I mean, I, I just wonder if my friend, if he doesn't 
get a job with a PhD in Egyptology, what he'll do. Maybe he'll teach Egyptology. Your friend, John. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That's how we're going to end this episode. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful. I know it's a longer episode than our normal after the sandwich ones, but uh, I think it's warranted. And uh, if you are in this situation, I feel for you. I really do. But you, you need to pray and pray hard and fight and fight fair and fight hard and uh, God will bless you for it and uh, so stay the course keep going uh, if you want to reach out do so but again I'm, I'm going to tell you if you haven't talked to your pastors we're both just going to tell you to talk to your pastors so why don't you do that first before you reach out okay that sounds good <laughs> alright that's our episode for today so uh, until next time make me a sandwich